Welcome to a Conscious Coaching Podcast with your host, Lauren Bentley. Lauren is a trauma-informed cognitive behavioral therapist, as well as a mindfulness teacher. She's also obtained certifications like personal training, group fitness instruction, yoga teacher, and a breathwork facilitator. And she uses these certifications to create embodiment and somatic experiences for her clients. It is within this podcast that you will experience creating pathways home into your body to find safe and sacred space from within. The importance of honoring all of your emotions and letting your body tell the story. For deeper work, please check the show notes below. For information into how to join her Breathe and Receive membership, a virtual studio supporting the body, mind, and, and spirit. You can also see below different ways to contact her for discovery calls to set up one-on-one support, as well as how to find her on social media and her public Facebook group, A Conscious Community, and Instagram. Thank you so much for being here and create a beautiful day. All right, welcome. I am so excited for today's guest. It's my friend Meg Hammond. She is a life coach, and you can find her on Instagram under Wheel Life Blog. And of course, everything about her will be in the description below. But Meg helps women live with confidence after a spinal cord injury. So thank you so much for being here. Um, uh, like I said, before we started recording, I just think that you're such an inspiration um, to so many. So thank you so much. Well, thank you. And thank you for having me. I'm honored to be here. Mm-hmm. Yes. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, yeah, just we'll just start there. <laughs> um, so I, I mean, I was born and raised in Ohio, um, have moved up to Cleveland in my adult life, but Um, You know, I grew up just kind of normally, um, you know, both parents in the home, not much, um, you know, quote unquote trauma, not many big things going on. Um, And then when I was 23, I was in a motorcycle accident that severed my spinal cord. I was engaged at the time and at my then fiance's parents, parents house, we he had this old uh motorcycle that he hadn't ridden in a while but i wanted to learn how to ride it i wanted to be that badass woman on a bike mm-hmm. um that you know drove herself and we just picked a day in july after one of my master's courses ended and um the the motorcycle took me for a ride. I popped the clutch, kept gassing, and ended up down a ravine that was in his parents' backyard. Wow. I was about 10 feet away or so from a cement pad that was down there um, because we thought I would just be riding around the grass, in the grass for a while while he changed the oil in his truck. I I did not have a helmet on. I did not have any protective gear on. Um, Something that I always required as a passenger. So I don't know why that didn't happen that day. But 
Um, luckily, someone was looking out for me and I did not sustain any head injuries, but I did sever my spinal cord, um, broke some ribs, my shoulder in two places, along with some internal damage going on. Um, I don't think doctors thought that I would make it through the night, but I did. Um, surgery happened. I have a ton of cool hardware in my body now. Um, <laughs> but, oh, a long road after that injury. Um, I was in the ICU for 32 days. Wow. I ended up having to um, be trached, have a tracheotomy to help me breathe. Um, I could not breathe on my own for a while. Um, and then a six week stay in inpatient rehab, um, teaching me how to live again. Um, I had to relearn everything, how to sit up, how to roll over, um, how to get dressed, all of those daily living skills, um, how to cook how to push myself around in a wheelchair. Um, because of the spinal cord injury, I am um, a complete paraplegic is the medical diagnosis. I have no function, no feeling from the upper waist down. Okay. Um, my injury level is classified as a T4. So I'm in the thoracic re region of the font spine. Um, the injury was severed between five and six. So neurologically, my feeling, I can't feel below T4. Um, so that's kind of right about the nipple line. Mm -hmm. okay. um, so no trunk balance mm -hmm. um, adds a lot of frustration throughout the daily life. <laughs> yeah. So 23, how old are you now? I don't mind am me 36 Okay, now. 36. Okay. <laughs> so it's been 13 years. Mm -hmm. um, it was July 12th, 2007. Wow. Okay. Okay. So 23 years old, going through all of this, what was your mindset like? Were you grateful? Were you pissed? A little bit of both? Like, what was going on? Um, I think it was a little bit of both, mm -hmm. although I don't think I allowed myself to be angry. Um oh. I, I was definitely thankful to just be alive. I, um, you know, obviously knew how severe all of my injuries were. So just to be here was a blessing in itself. And I think very early on, um, I just adapted that mindset of I'm here. There's a reason why this happened and I'm kind of determined to figure out what it is. Um, I know I because I was engaged, I remember in the ICU stating, I don't care if I can't walk the rest of my life. I just want to be able to walk down the aisle. Mm. Um, and that didn't happen. I mean, we did get married. We divorced a year later. Okay. Um, but by the time we got to that point, I I think I pretty much accepted that I would never walk again in my life. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. Wow. So like at 23, to just be able to even adapt that mindset of like, I'm here for a reason. I'm here to do something more. That's powerful. That's beautiful. Like me at 23, I don't know if I would have been able to have that mindset. 
I had a great recreational therapist that also had a spinal cord injury Mm. um, that kind of showed me and taught me that um, to be grateful for the things that I can do because, you know, every injury is different. There are, you know, more severe injuries. There's, you know, a ton of things that I can do that other spinal cord injuries can't. And I think just he and I connected um, and we carried our relation, like our friendship outside of my rehab. Um, He kind of became another like father figure in my life. Um, And just having that connection with him and learning from him allowed me to have that mindset, um, you know, focus on the things that I can do, not the things that I can't. And if there is a will, there is a way Mm -hmm. I can modify things. It might not look like how I think it should look like, or how normal people, um, might picture things. But if there's something that I want to do, there is more than likely a way to get it done. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a lot of my mindset early on kind of came from him. That's amazing. God bless him, right? Yes, and very like, much. <laughs> it's such a great mindset to still carry with you to present day, you know, and for everybody, right? Like if if you want to do something, there is a way to do it. There's always a way. Like don't just don't give up. So then when you got married, do you think that, you know, like some of this trauma that developed within your life and then your relationship, is that what made you kind of not be able to remain married? And I'm sorry if this is like too intrusive. You can always tell me if it's, if you don't want to talk about it. No problem. I'm pretty open with everything. Okay. Um, (laughs) I think think there were some things that were kind of toxic with the relationship before the injury Mm -hmm. um, that um, made things worse after the injury. Um, and I mean, he was fantastic while I was going through rehab, um, and all of my outpatient, um, sessions, Mm -hmm. but, um, there, I mean, there were some, some cheating going on. There Mm -hmm. was some cheating going on, on his part that I was unaware of until many years later, actually. Um, and I don't know if he felt guilt about it because it was his bike, his parents' property. I don't know. Um, but the chair definitely did not make things better. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, we, we decided to still get married on our, um, planned day. It was about eight months after my injury, we got married. Um, we did not live together before we got married. So I'm still learning how to take care of myself while trying to navigate this relationship. There's just a lot of things against it. And unfortunately, a lot of spinal cord injuries find themselves alone in divorce because of the circumstances. Okay. Okay. So then you, you, you do have a boyfriend now. So it was just kind of like this journey of learning how to navigate this new way of living and loving yourself. 
which then entered him or maybe somebody else in the you know in between but it it was pretty pretty lonesome for mm-hmm. about 10 years okay um i for the first few years, I I did not try to date. I, it just was not on my radar. Um, I don't think I would have dismissed something if something ha- like you know came about. But um, that's I I didn't even think about it. And then maybe five or six years um, into my injury, you know, living with my paralysis. Um, I think that's when I started thinking, okay, I think I'm ready to start to put myself out there. Um, I was, I think on every single dating app there was, that was free. I refused to pay for any because it wasn't that important in my life at the moment. Um, But I think I've tried them all. Um, I think I've heard every single response that is out there. Um, there are some very forward men out there. <laughs> yes, there <laughs> is. <laughs> um, and a lot of men wanting more of a casual relationship. And um, that, that's just not what I was looking for. So, um, yes, I do have a boyfriend now. He and I met um, about a year and a half ago. And it's been an amazing year and a half. Um, the wait was definitely worth it. So um, I know that all of my healing work, all of my personal development work has led me to him um, and in the right time. And we did not meet online. We met, Mm. you know, the old fashioned way in person. Um, He was my adaptive kayaking instructor at an adaptive paddling workshop that I've done seven, eight, nine times before this one. Awesome. That's so cool. (laughs) That's so cool. I was actually going to share that I I, I met my husband online, but then then it was cliffhanger. You didn't meet him online. (laughs) But yeah, there's a lot of very forward men out there. (laughs) (laughs) It can be intense. (laughs) Yeah, so what is and I see you like so you do kayak and you you um have a bike, you love being outside. I just and you share all these things on your Instagram um you know to go with your blog and to and to just inspire others. So what brought you to to be on this life coach um and just having that inspiration to step into that? Yeah, so um when I had my injury. I was working on my master's degree in education. Um, it was an an intervention specialist, special education, um, the, you know, mild, moderate K-12 licensure area. I had already had a bachelor's and middle grades education. Um, and, um, you know, I've always wanted to be a teacher, you know, second grade paperwork when, you know, teachers ask what you want to be when you grow up, I put a teacher. Mm -hmm. And I mean, throughout my school, it was always, this is what I'm going to do. And after my injury, you know, I I was a teacher for 10 years. I, I loved it. I enjoyed it. I worked with a very challenging population that kept me on my toes. And it was, you know, all after my injury that this happened. Um, 
and it was great, but I was also getting involved in my United Spinal Associations chapter um, in Northeast Ohio that's located in Cleveland. Um, and the more I got involved in that group, the more I kind of became a leader in that group. And then I eventually became a chapter leader and am now the president of the chapter as well as a regional chapter coordinator with United Spinal Association nationally. Um, so the more that I got involved in helping others and serving others with spinal cord injuries, the more I shifted my passion from teaching to serving spinal cord injuries. And that led me to start to pursue another master's degree in um, counseling. Mm. So, you know, I did finish up my educational master's degree after my injury, taught for 10 years. And then in the last two or three years of teaching, I was also going to school for this degree in counseling. My end goal was career counseling, because at that point, um, I thought, you know, helping those with disabilities get back into the workplace um, was that passion of mine, you know, showing them that a fulfilling life is very, very capable um, of happening after a spinal cord injury. So I started that degree, did all of the courses for that degree and was applying, trying to apply for my internship. And the university told me that I couldn't do my internship in a vocational rehab counseling setting, which was my ultimate goal. Like at that point, that was my dream job. Um, because it wasn't clinical enough to fit the requirements of the program. Mm. Um, I tried to work with them and, you know, I was specializing in career counseling with the program, but it, they just kind of wouldn't budge. So I ended up not finishing that degree. Um, and around that same time, maybe about six months later, a job opportunity opened up um, at Metro Health Medical Center, where I am now, as a research coordinator under the Spinal Cord Injury Model Systems Grant. Mm. So I would be interviewing and doing research with spinal cord injuries. And it was that time in my life that I did start my blog because I knew I wanted to reach do something, but I wasn't exactly sure what. And then this job opportunity um, kind of fell into my lap. And I, I mean, I knew my supervisor, she knew me well from working with the chapter throughout the years. And I began, I did a career change and started working in research about three and a half years ago. Mm. Um, and it was during that time that because I didn't finish my degree in counseling, I found something called life coaching and I, I had never heard of it before. So I started researching it and the more I learned about it, the more I'm like, yes, this is what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Um, so I sought out a certification. I completed all of that, um, 
throughout the years, I've become a certified peer mentor, um, which I still continue to do today. So it just kind of all started aligning um, with what my passion had grown into. Mm. Doesn't it always, right? (laughs) You just keep trusting. And I love too how you just you wouldn't budge. You wouldn't, you know, if they, if they weren't going to allow you to, to go into exactly what you wanted to go into, you're like, all right, I'm out. And, but you never stopped pursuing that. I love that so much. Yes. Mm -hmm. I knew from the beginning that a clinical setting is not the setting for me. Um, God bless everybody in those settings. Um, you know, I, I benefit from professionals in that setting. So, um, you know, kudos to them, but I knew it was not for me. And I was not going to in a way, waste my time, um, for like a year and a half, um, in a learning, a setting that I never wanted to be in. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, I did deal with some guilt and shame and embarrassment for starting this program and not finishing it, especially this close to the end. But um, at the end of the day, it was not the program for me. And um, I just, you know, I learned a lot in those classes that I can apply to my mentoring, my research career um, and life coaching. So I, I guess it all wasn't for a waste anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Doesn't sound like it. That's incredible. So was there would you like to talk about at all about like the struggles that you experienced and like the hardships um just because i just always think that it can be inspiring for anybody to hear just some of like the just so we all feel like we're not alone and how we feel about things sure, absolutely mm-hmm. sure okay. um i mean the spinal cord injury itself presents a lot of struggles on a fairly consistent, if not daily basis. Um, Having a spinal cord injury means that you lack control of bodily functions. Um, So as a, you know, 20 something year old going into my thirties, I had to learn how to deal with you know, peeing my pants, Mm -hmm. having a bowel accident in the middle of a public setting, um, having one of those here at home, like it's, you know, constant urinary tract infections from having to use catheters, insurance companies not wanting to um, cover the necessary medical equipment that we need just because it is so specialized and so individualized for each person and each injury. Um, So those on top of all of the other um, just daily life things, um, navigating relationships, um, not feeling understood because how can my friends and family who aren't wheelchair users know what I'm going through? Um, You know, building that compassion and empathy for them trying to be a support to me and you know my injury affected more than just me it affected my family my friends um you know it is like a community thing even though it's 
an individualized event. Um, so reestablishing boundaries, um, knowing, I think the hardest thing that I had to learn was speaking up for myself. Mm -hmm. Um, growing up, I, I was kind of taught, um, not intentionally, but, um, to ignore my feelings, ignore, um, kind of my needs. Um, I didn't want to feel needy. I didn't want to feel like I was a burden. I didn't want um, people to think that because of my wheelchair, I can't do a lot of things. Um, I still get people when I'm out in the community saying, oh, it's nice to see you out. Mm -hmm. Well, where am I supposed to be? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm a person, I'm a social human being. I will be out in my community, um, even though the community is not usually accessible, but, you know, I'm not going to stop my life just because of this. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of self-acceptance that happened. There was a lot of, um, personal growth that was happening, um, counseling and therapy throughout the years, um, not, not constantly throughout the years, but in and out of therapy, definitely. Um, currently in therapy now, mm -hmm. I think it's super important to maintain brain health. Yeah. So I'm going to do what I need to do to live the best I can. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I'm a huge fan of therapy, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> obviously. <laughs> Me too. Me too. Yeah, but actually, I, that's how I met you was at a breathwork uh, workshop that I put on at Dr. Sarah's office. Yes, chiropractic office. Yes, that was really I connected cool. with Dr. Sarah because I moved to Lakewood, mm -hmm. where her office is, and needed a chiropractor. It was a service that I had before I moved up here, and that I really needed in my life. So I was fortunate enough to connect with her and then wanting to meet new people, wanting to improve myself. I went to a couple different sessions that she hosted and one of them was you. And mm -hmm. um, I've been blessed ever since to have you in my life mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Yeah. So it sounds like a little bit too that even like um, people even trying to kind of fit you into like a box like after the injury. And so it was even like kind of like trying to navigate out of that box of like, no, I don't have limits. Like I'm not somebody that you put in a box. I can be free and do as I please sort of thing. Yes. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of stereotyping when it comes to people with disabilities. There's a lot of stigmas, a lot of um, just a lot of myths mm -hmm. that um, go around with being a wheelchair user. Um, often people think that I may have an, an intellectual disability as well. Mm -hmm. um, so they talk differently to me than they would to somebody else. Um, I've had, um, you know, just off the wall statements. Um, P uh, somebody just, came up behind me and started pushing me. Um, wow. My, my, my mother was right beside me walking with me as we were, um, I think we were leaving a play that night heading to our car and um, somebody just started pushing me and I'm like, whoa, what is going on? Like, 
no, do not ever <laughs> touch a wheelchair user without asking them first. That would be like picking a stranger up and moving them. Like, no. Um, so I adapted very early on to not responding with anger mm. um, or being rude or anything like that, but to use that as an educational experience. You know, I am a teacher at heart. I've always wanted to be a teacher. I may not be in a classroom, but I will always teach. Um, so I try to do it in a way that's, you know, that allows them to want to help somebody else that they see, um, but do it better. Yeah. Um, and do it in a way that's empowering the individual um, and not taking away our power. Uh, another story um, is that somebody wanted to help me push in a cart at Target one day. And, you know, I said, no, thank you. I got it. It was a cart that I was going to be using for my shopping. He's like, no, let me just help you and starts to move the cart. And I'm like, sir, I really appreciate the offer. I did say no, you're now taking away my ability instead of giving me ability. So he's like, oh, okay. And I don't know if he got upset and I don't really care if he got upset. Yeah. Um, I kind of, whenever something like that happens, I always replay it in my mind. Like, could I do that better? Did I handle that in a way that I liked? Um, and if I come to the conclusion of, yep, that was exactly how I wanted to handle it, then I just move on with my day. Some situations are harder than others to move on from, but um, that, that's my goal. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then if there is something that I can do better, then I remember that for the next time because yeah. I'm not perfect and I will never, ever be. Yeah, I love that. So what would be, uh, if you could give a piece of advice to the world and, and, and how, you know, they've spoken to you or treated you, what would it be? Oh, my advice, um, you know, always ask if they needed help. Like if you want to offer help, definitely always ask. But if the person says no, then respect that person. If they do say yes, then ask how you can, okay, so what would be the best way for me to help? Um, often I, you know, when I'm getting in and out of my car, I have to put together and take apart my wheelchair um, because I drive a car, not a van. I don't have a ramp to get in and out of my car with. Um, and I choose that, that's what I want. Um, so when they, people see me taking apart and putting together my chair, so it probably looks like I'm struggling and I'm not, but you know, people always ask and I say, no, thank you. I got it, but I appreciate it. And usually they just move on. Mm -hmm. Um, if they don't, then I just, I usually say that, you know, I have a process and when that's disrupted, it makes more work. So I really appreciate it, but I'm good. Um, so yeah, just listen to the person that you're offering help to. And if they say no, then please respect that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did it like surprise you at all and how many people are willing to help? I just feel like so often we're kind of focused on a lot of the harshness of the world. Um, yes. Um, I think it did kind of shock me at first. Um, 
And I always, you know, I always make it a point to say, to tell them that I appreciate them asking because I, you know, I agree with you that we do like, you know, um, you know, people don't hold doors open and they don't offer help and, you know, chivalry is dead and all of that stuff. And I, I don't believe that Mm -hmm. I've seen it too many times personally to believe that. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of good people out there. We just have to look for it and be willing to see it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. So good. So what are some ways that you currently, how you work with people? So you have your blog and then you have a, like a coaching program or just, just like simply one-on-one, like, what does that look like? So right now I'm currently building the one-on-one coaching program. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's a new thing, um, that I'm, I'm hoping, um, I'm planning on, um, opening up my calendar for clients one-on-one um sometime in the future i would love either like a membership site like breathe and receive that you have um or something along those lines of a membership site or a course or something like that to help more people um than just what i can physically doing one-on-one things Uh, but right now i have a blog um the website is the Wheel Life blog. I do have a YouTube channel that I upload to, um, and a lot of Instagram. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What is like your the biggest imprint that you can make on somebody's life? What is it? Um, I think it boils down to self acceptance and getting out of the comfort zone, um, just showing people that they can live this awesome, fulfilled, meaningful life, even as a wheelchair user, um, just because this trauma happens, doesn't mean you have to live in pain, live in a victim mindset and do everything that people say, Mm -hmm. um, the amount of times that I have been told in the past 13 years that I can't do something because of being a wheelchair user is just astonishing. Um, at one point, a very close friend of mine who is no longer a friend of mine um, told me that I just need to settle with someone because the man of my dreams isn't a reality and um, basically without without saying these words but basically telling me that nobody will love me the same as normal people or able-bodied people um the same way because I'm a wheelchair user and it was it was shocking to hear um and I refused to accept it good for you so um just refusing to hear no refusing that something isn't possible because of a wheel because you're a wheelchair user um i think that's my ultimate goal is to show people that we can Mm -hmm. good for you angels are just dancing around you because 
I mean, yeah, those words could have easily just taken you down that spiral and you could have easily just been like, you're right. You're right. My life has changed in a blink of an eye. It is different. It is difficult. Things may be a little bit harder, but you, you didn't, you know, you, you use those words to continue to help you to rise and help others to rise now as well. So thank you so much for just, just being who you are. I think it's beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm a part of a lot of Facebook support groups for um, those with spinal cord injuries. And I see a lot of victim mindsets, like my life is over because of this. I can't do what I want because of this. And um, I guess my message is that it might not look the way that you first envision it, where how you think it should go, but there are modifications. There are people out there willing to help you. Um, anything is possible if you kind of work hard enough for it and do a lot of problem solving. Mm -hmm. Being a wheelchair user is a ton of problem solving. So for the rest of the world, if you need a problem solved, look for somebody with a disability because chances are they are fantastic problem solvers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh, good. I love that. <laughs> Thank you so much, Meg. So if there is there anything particular that you want to plug in and how people can find you? And again, I'll put everything below in the show notes. Um, I guess Instagram would be um, the best way to connect with me um, or sign up for my newsletter on my um, website to join this journey with me. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'll talk with you again soon.